You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of Street Politicians, the place, the place where, where the streets, streets and politics meet. What's going on, my I'm 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 like I'm like glued, glued, glued to the TV today. Actually, what's happening now has to do with Steve Bannon, um, which is a whole different set of circumstances. But the Kyle Rittenhouse trial uh, is happening. Obviously, folks know we tape a couple days before the episode actually airs. And so today, um, the information may be a little bit different. It may be a little delayed from what was actually taking place at the time that we uh, taped this episode. But we watched as uh, the weapons charges, most of the weapons charges were thrown out of the case. And so somehow or another, a decision was made that the weapons that Kyle Rittenhouse had with him were inadmissible in this in the in the trial, but particularly in the uh, closing arguments and in terms of what the jury instructions are for what they can take back with them after closing arguments. I do not understand. I, and I know I'm not a lawyer and I haven't had a chance today to have a conversation with lawyers and understand, but. I'm on text threads with a number of legal professionals and and lawyers, and I don't see anybody giving an explanation that makes sense about this at all. Because it doesn't make sense, man. Because you know it's 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 the same old 
um, what we call it, kangaroo court, man, that we, we, we've seen, we've witnessed it. We, I've been involved in it. I've been a victim of these kangaroo courts. And it always seems that, you know, some people have the complexion for the protection. man, And it, it, does, it just really makes no sense that we even have to have these conversations and constantly keep seeing these injustices, you know, occur, you know, and, and even people get mad when we say we don't have faith in the system, like when, when people just don't care about the system. And we want to, we want to believe that there's a system that works, that there's a system of accountability, there's a system of fair and equal treatment, that everyone is created equally and all these things, but it just doesn't happen that way. And this is a classic example. You, we've seen the writing on the wall from the beginning with this situation, how a majority of white America has supported this man and invested. Not a majority. Well, listen to me. He had, he had a GoFundMe that raised how much money? I don't know, but it was a lot. It was a lot of money. So you understand what I'm saying? And you, you won't see, what let that have been a black man, they would have threw him under the jail or GoFundMe they would have funded his ass in jail and he would have still been in jail. He probably would have got killed because he would have never made it back home at all anywhere. So at the end of the day, this is the things that we're dealing with. And once again, another atrocity, man. So, you know. Well, let's just hope again, by the time this episode airs, um, I hope that the closing arguments are finished and that the jury has made a decision to convict um, Kyle Rittenhouse of murder. I don't even know what all his charges are, but I know he shouldn't walk free. Um, and I think his mother should also face some charges because she had her son in the car, bringing him across state lines with weapons that she knew he was not supposed to have. And then he goes out and kills. Now in our situation, right? First of all, if you put your child in a school that is outside the school district, you can do five years like our sister Crystal Mason um, is, some, is someone that, that was accountable for her actions, right? Related to her child going to school somewhere that she should not have gone. And in fact, her father lived in the district, right? You have situations where because of a child's truancy, parents are picked up and arrested. I just would love to see the numbers. Some people will argue, oh, you know, Tamika, you know, it happens to everybody. It's not just, okay, well, show me the numbers. Yeah. Show me how many white families where their children cut school have been arrested for the truancy of their child. Yeah. I want to see it if, it's, if it compares. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. I don't think so either. Man. I look at my my case, you know, I got convicted of a gun that I never had, that nobody ever found, never seen. I got convicted of a weapons and sentenced to two, two to four years for a weapon that was never found or even seen ever anywhere. Two to four years. We talking about two to four yeah. years. Yeah, that was part, that was, you know, that was one of the charges, but the, the, the robbery charges superseded that because it was the highest count. So it was, it was four to eight and then it was, Three, three to six, and and then under the underneath charges were weapons possessions, two to four years for weapons possession, and it's two to four. So the highest counts they add those two together, the three to six and the four to eight to get my sentence. The high, the lower counts were superseded, but I was sentenced to two to four years for weapons possession that never I never had and nobody ever saw, never mm -hmm. anything. 
Well, that's kind of that. Well, you know, see, not understanding, you have to understand the legal system because I'm sure going into it, you had no idea about this and this layer and that and the judge and all the things that happen with your attorney. And so I'm just saying that in, 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 in these situations, it seems like to your point that it, it, they, that white people have a complexion for protection. Like you said, that's it. I mean, that's, that's, that's my thought. But tell me what this sweatshirt means that you have on today. Oh, it means, it means fuck it. Fuck it. If you don't care, if I don't, you know, if you got a problem with me, fuck you. Fuck it. Fuck you. Fuck it. You know what I'm saying? So, every, then, has, so everybody that has a problem with you is fucking. Yeah, fuck it. Listen, everybody. you put a post up yesterday, right? That resonated. You know, I'm very stubborn. Very stubborn. I'm very prideful. Have a lot of ego. I hate to, you know, my name to be talked about. I hate to be discredited. I hate somebody allowing me. A lot of things that I, I have certain things that, you know, I take pride in. And then, you know, the post that you put up yesterday just resonated with me. And, and I, and I want to, what did it say? It said this. And it really just made me think, you know, after you always say it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hard headed. I don't listen to shit most of the time. Sometimes I'll be like, man, fuck that. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to do what I want to do most of the time. But when you said I stopped beefing with people when I realized they felt important being an enemy. That was like the realest thing. I realized that there are people who just you acknowledging them as an adversary, not even saying a name, but just the fact that they feel that you acknowledge them as someone who is even equal to be an adversary or a counter anything to what it is that you do gives them some level of power. And right. I said, you know what? At this point, I've done, I've exhausted, I've done whatever I had to do. And anybody that's not on my, my own wavelength, that's not about progression, that's not doing any work that I can't benefit from, I can't even allow to have space in my mind. You know, so, you know, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm not engaging in discourse with people that don't even deserve discourse. You know, I'm not engaging in anything with somebody that's not helping me grow or I'm not helping grow. So, you know, this shirt symbolizes where I'm at. Fuck it. Fuck you. Fuck it. You know, and my hat, my new hat, honorable, you know, because that's that's what it is. I believe I am. So this represents my whole mood right now. Fuck you because I'm honorable. Listen, I have nothing to say. And today, fuck the court. You got your protect black people show. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have one. My Well, I put this on today because when I woke up, I realized there were two trials happening in two different places across this damn country. And both of them are incredibly painful for black people. In the Kyle Rittenhouse matter, uh, and someone said this to me, uh, Reverend Stephen Green said today, and it really struck me when I said, I don't know that people will respond and be as upset and, and impacted by Kyle Rittenhouse being um, exonerated as other situations that we've seen where people really have been emotional and hurt and where it's impacted, especially white people to see how bad it is because his victims were white, right? And 
Stephen's response to me was the original victim. He didn't say Kyle Rittenhouse's, but the original victim was Jacob Blake, a black man who was shot and paralyzed in Kenosha. And that is what precipitated the response, the, the, the outrage that brought Kyle Rittenhouse to that town. That's the why he killed other people who were there protecting Black lives. The other situation is in Brunswick, New Brunswick, Georgia, where a mother has to sit and listen to people talking about all this other stuff, except the fact that these men, the McMichaels, were not, and plus their other, whatever the other guy's name is, they were not the police. They were not in any way authorized. They were not the owners of the home. They were in no way authorized to take their funky asses, their racist, uh, evil, callous asses out there to hunt down a man who they, they saw him. They saw him. They saw Ahmaud Arbery going to that house, checking it out, and, 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 and similar to George Zimmerman, Hunting black people is a sport to some white folks, particularly to some white men. Putting black people's lives in danger with their tears is a specific thing that white women do, some white women, too many of them. But hunting Negroes, President Biden, hunting Negroes is something that white men specifically get off on. And so when they saw Ahmad, they said, he didn't know, he was oblivious, believing that he could run in America and just dream about this new project, this new house, looking at it coming together, the same way that white people were able, kids were able to dream going in that house over and over again. They have the footage to show it, but they saw a black boy healthy running and they love it. It literally brings them to goddamn orgasm to see a black, attractive, strong man, and they cannot keep their nasty, filthy hands off of black men. And so they hunted him down. And here's a black woman having to sit there and listen and then further watch the video that if it had not the people, oh, Sean King this and Lee Merritt that. Guess what? If it had not been for the work that Sean King, Lee Merritt and all, Chris Stewart and others, all of these attorneys and, and activists and advocates that got together and kept pressuring the system, kept pressuring the system, kept bringing us up to speed and keeping us in the loop. If it were not for the work that they did, where first of all, they created out of what they believed happened, some visuals to bring us to the moment. And then the video comes out and we see Ahmaud Arbery being hunted and then blown away damn near, shot to death. That mother's sitting there watching that. And it's too many of us that are trying to go to work, 
go to travel, do this, do that, all this other shit. And meanwhile, in the back of our minds, we know that Black people are not protected. So that's why today I wore this. So I guess that's kind of like my thought of the day. I had other things because I was going to ask. They, they didn't want the weapons conversation. They were, they were, they were, they were up, uh, lifting the weapons charge. And as they were talking about later on during the prosecutor's closing statements, he was, he mentioned the weapons again. And it caused more dialogue in the court that the judge had to speak to about whether it was okay for the weapon to even be mentioned at all, right? And so in the midst of this conversation, the judge is him and Han, can't get his words out straight. And, I, and, and it seemed to me that he was prepared in his mind to protect Kyle Rittenhouse. That's how it's been throughout this entire trial, throughout the whole process. And I was thinking to myself, do white people have like a phone, a, a bat phone that they call each other on? Like, how do they transmit the message that messages that we protect our own there's no other message there's they see a white boy walk into the room and they they empathize right the same empathy and the same you know grace that we want them to give our children and understanding that we want to give young black kids that come from nothing that commit crimes that they believe are or detrimental and heinous and we want we don't want to be put on death row for crimes that you commit you know, very young, and we don't want to be have life imprisonment, and we want to be have, able to have opportunities after these things. They look at their own people as human beings. They don't look at us that way. So it's not about. There's no sign. The sign is that white boy walked in here, and we we and it was against some shit that the niggers had going on anyway. It was based on some nigger that we already said he should. Those people shouldn't have been out there protesting for that nigger anyway. So those are nigger lovers. And we're gonna make sure that the, the man who protect the nigger lovers is safe and he's and he's protected because no, he's the man that protect the nigger or the man who was willing to kill the man that was killed exactly the man who killed the nigger lovers is protected. So you know, and and this is what it comes down to. And it's not hard. And people want to act like that those ain't the the facts and that's not the reality. But it it, it it sure is. And you know, and it's in this same scenario plays over every time. Mm. It does. I, know, I guess the larger question that we will not get into today, because we've got two incredible guests that we've got to bring on uh, talking about mental health. We're still trying to deal with this thing and we got to keep going there, man. We got to keep getting into the heart of this mental health crisis. Um, and then as we're going towards the holidays, you know, people get, they starting to spend that money, spend that money. You know, it's like <laughs> what they say to corporations is like make a dance, 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 bring that money in. Um, we're going to be talking about that with two incredible people, one being uh, Precious Avorklia, who is a licensed psychotherapist, and then the other being Shakira Green, uh, who is a financial activist. And so with those two coming on, we want to cut, keep it short, even though I'm running my mouth. But it just begs the question, do we as Black people have a bat phone? You know, do we have a bat phone 
to call one another and say, I'm with you. You know, I don't know if I want to live in a world, mice, where just because a person is black, they could do anything, they could kill innocent people. And I support that. But I'm also being very honest and saying that I'm tired of us always being the ones that have to do right, that have to be right. And yet we are up against a diabolical enemy that doesn't have the same moral compass. I just don't know, you know? So that's just. It is, man. It's, it's, a, it's a very, it's a very um, convoluted and fucked up place to be, right? You, you want justice, but you watch your people experience, never get justice for so long that you even start to root for the villain. You know, you start to root for things that you normally, you probably, you think they should be held accountable, but you like, ain't nobody else being held accountable. Mm. You know, like you, I, I want to see us, I want to see us beat the system once in a while. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a fucked up place to be in where that's the mindset that we have to have, or we, we not really have to, we feel like we have to have. So, you know, the whole, this whole, um, the whole theory of justice is just a theory for me right now. And it's sad. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com.
That's how we own it. That's how we own it. So now another friend joins us on the show. We talked earlier today about this um, firebrand, brilliant young woman uh, that I came to know through BBM, which is the Bond Brand Management Agency, uh, where Latoya Bond manages both of us, me more so than you, because you are unmanageable. Uh, but that's for a different day's conversation. And, um, you know, one of the great things about uh, having small agencies that specifically focus on Black folks um, and understanding all the, the, the issues that we uh, have within us is having an agency that knows that it's not just PR, it's not just, um, you know, the marketing and, and all the work that has to get done, but it's also having people around who tap into the spiritual realm, who tap into the mental health realm, and Precious has been that. And I always am so afraid to say her name, but as she would say, you always, I always get it right. So Precious Avorklia, again, a friend of ours, a friend to street politicians. And I'm so happy to have this young woman on. And just to reiterate who she is and her great, great accomplishes, accomplishments. She is a licensed psychotherapist. She is an author and she is a mental health advocate and activist in her own right. So Precious, thank you so much for joining street politicians today. Thank, Thank you, you guys for having me. I am thoroughly enjoying the work that you guys are doing, the commentary. You guys are spot on every time I'm in the back, whooped in, y'all on and everything. So <laughs> Thank you. we appreciate you, man. So how's it been going? Like, what, what, what are you doing right now? What have you been focusing on right now? So as you guys may know, um, you know, I've been in the mental health industry for quite some time now, for well over 10 years. And I started out with a group practice and several years ago, I decided to open my own practice, Modern Therapy Now, um, which we've been open now and thriving for about four years. And my intention behind that was because I wanted to tailor make my approaches to the black and brown community. You know, as a psychotherapist, traditionally, you're really trained to be you know, a blank slate, right? Don't say too much, don't be too much, don't take up too much space in the room. But as you guys may know, that really marginalizes a lot of people. You can't tell many people about their deep-seated truths if they don't have a sense of who you are. So I decided I was gonna take a different approach. I was gonna be transparent. I was gonna be my whole self. I was going to be, you know, all of the hey girl, hey, as well as, you know, the the clinical jargon and so on and so forth. So right now I'm really thriving with working with a lot of black and brown individuals and it's been doing great. Yeah. So what, you, you just decided to go to school to be a psychotherapist? Like what was the process? What's the journey towards that? Cause there may be other people out here who are like, this is what I think I should be doing. Like, what is the thing that comes up in you that says, this is the field that I should be in. And just as um, a point of reference, a little FYI, I've, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I'm glued to the TV because the Kyle Rittenhouse trial is happening. And so I have it running. Usually we don't, but today is a day that I think it's important uh, for us all to be tuned in. So excuse me for that. It's not a distraction, hopefully, but just wanted to say that. Absolutely. I totally understand. I've been, you know, checking in here and there in between sessions as well. Um, so 
you know, I think I'm one of those rare stories where I really did set out to impact individuals in some kind of way. I didn't really know what to call it early on, but I knew that I was really interested and intrigued by human behavior and all of people's complexities, you know what I mean? I've seen mental health concerns throughout my family. I've been personally impacted by it. I know many people have. Um, and I just noticed that I had a way with connecting with people and being able to support them um, and help them move towards their goals. Um, right now, I've taken a special interest in work-life balance. Um, mm -hmm. I've been, I've had so many conversations with women in particular, but, you know, women and men alike, uh, where the greatest strain is trying to figure out how to be everything that they want to be for others. And um, just finding that it's the expectation itself that really throws a lot of people off of off balance. Uh, so really approaching work-life balance from a place of let's, you know, understand what our individual needs and strengths are, and then help that match our, the way we're experiencing the world. Mm -hmm. That's, that's crazy because I think that's one of the hardest thing to do is just have a work-life balance, you know, especially when you're trying to be successful, you know, when you're um, embarking on new endeavors, when you're a creative person, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, like how do you, what is the key? Like give us some keys that you think it is to balancing work and life and being comfortable and not driving yourself crazy and working yourself to death. I think the first thing is just to shift your ideology about what balance is. You know, first and foremost, balance does not mean equal. A lot mm -hmm. of times we expect ourselves to be able to give to every, you know, person in our life, every area of our life in the same way, at the same level, with the same level of energy, always and forever. And that's just an unrealistic expectation. We're not the same person every single day. Our needs shift from day to day. And it's just not humanly possible to be able to give everything to everything all at once. Um, it's a well-known fact that we actually do not multitask. You know, we put we end up putting a lot of strain on ourselves when we're trying to shift from one task to the other. So really scaling back on this idea that multitasking is the ideal, that you know losing sleep is the ideal, that pushing through and keeping it moving is the ideal. Ideal, excuse me. Um, I've been on social media for years now saying that keep it moving culture is toxic, um, especially to the black and brown community. Um, you know, we have this belief system that tells us that if we're experiencing things like anxiety and depression, that that's actually a sign of failure and weakness. So we have to continue to press up against that stigma um, and shift our understanding of those uh, wellness features being inclusive of our in our path towards success. I saw on our friend Killer Mike's page uh, something that he posted that. Uh, the, the night I saw it, it resonated. But the next day, I had a little frustration happen, which made it even more important. He said, I tried my best. And if that's not good enough, fuck it then. Right. And I, I was like that when I saw it out the first time, I was like, yeah. But then I thought about it and I said, we especially, just all of us in general, but especially as women, we try so hard. And I'm wondering if as we're getting older, does it, do you think that it is 
helpful to the mental psyche to like stop trying with certain things or is letting go a form of failure? Like how should we process that when we feel like we've tried too much? Right. I think that letting go is a part of wellness for sure. Um, I think that we all have a particular relationship with control. And when we are operating within this sense of control that says that we are supposed to be able to manage and impact change on everything around us, that is actually more debilitating to our mental health than anything else. Sometimes acceptance is the best way to fall into balance. Just mm -hmm. accepting the fact that the door did close, that the answer was no, so that you can pivot and you can shift. I'm not telling people to stop. I'm just telling them that sometimes you have to accept that that may not be what's for you. And I think that that can create a sense of resolve. But we have to understand, again, back to your ideology, your basic fundamental belief system about how life works in general has to be one that says that I understand that, you know, my path is going to be created both through the co collaboration of, you know, me wanting things and me being able to self-propel and self uh, motivate and be ambitious, but also it's going to be a path that is sown into, you know, just the universe and things that are unseen, things that are unknown, things that, you know, we don't have ultimate and complete control over. Yeah, we don't have ultimate and complete control over. Lately, a number of people I love, including my son, has told me that I have to work on trying to control every situation. And that is, you know, it, it's hard to hear that because you feel like you're doing everything out of a good place, like trying to make sure that things are running and moving. But sometimes, you know, I guess you do have to listen to people when they're basically telling you that instead of it feeling like love, it feels like control. Absolutely. I think that what ends up happening is, you know, a lot of our relationship with control is really born out of a previous trauma. You know, mm -hmm. you have, um, you know, been exposed to environments where there was a lack of control. There was a lot of chaos and you didn't really know what the next moment or the next day was going to bring sometimes, what ends up happening is that you need everything to be in control, right? So, you know, I think it there's a little bit of a misperception uh, there because people will take that as you're being controlling, but what you're really looking for is everything to be stable, everything to be accounted for. You want to know where everything is, what's going on, what your role is in things, and that delivers a sense of safety um, and security to you. But you know, what I oftentimes tell my clients is that everything that's functional isn't sustainable, right? So at one point in life that may have worked for you, you know what I mean? It yielded positive, you know, results. You were able to progress and gain success by operating the way that you operate. However, you know, trying to control absolutely everything again is ultimately debilitating to your psyche. So there will come this eventual moment where you can't continue to move forward like that. It starts to, you know, put too much strain on your body, too much strain on your mind space, too much strain on your relationships even. So we have to dial it back when we have to concede to, you know, what is or what isn't, and then what we can control, what the things that we can have impact on. Mm, that's so prolific right there. You know, I, I find myself going through the same thing. Like we all want to control, especially, you know, especially in the work that we do, we want to be able 
to control our situations. We want to be able to, to constantly say that we could do the work. And sometimes it gets it gets overwhelming, you know, especially dealing with social media in this world that we live in, where it always feels like you're not doing enough. You know, it always feels like it's more to do and it's more to do and you could be doing. I find myself going through that constantly, like I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I should be doing this. I should be doing this. And then trying to take on all these things by yourself. And it's because I think for me, it's because I've always, I've been used to doing things by myself. I've been used to, if I don't really do the things, if I don't put all of these things in to it, you know, it's not going to happen. So, you know, it's hard, it's hard, you know, to let go of work. It's hard to ease. Like Tamika's been saying, yo, we need to take, people need to take a vacation. I ain't doing nothing else to after Christmas. And I'll be, and me hearing that is like, what, what do you mean? That's a whole month, you know, you know, and, and, it, and I guess for me, being in prison come has a lot to do with it, right? Losing seven years of your life and not being able to do anything for those days that I wanted to do things and watching life pass and watching people that I was would progress to certain levels and then feeling like I was stagnating. I feel like I have to make up time, but it's impossible for you to make up anything. You just can only move at the pace and, and deal with the time that you have now. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what I mean by expectations. You know, you're already successful. You, you're you already, you know, putting things in motion. Things are going to happen. And I'm not saying to, you know, take the pressure off of the situation at all. I'm just saying that it's the concept of that mission in your head. You know, you're hyper present with the reality that you lost time, you know, but at the same time, one could say that you're right on pace, you know, because one could say that, you know, at a different time, you know, things that you're manifesting today may have not manifested, you know, so that's what I'm saying about there. The balance starts with your mind space first, where you can say that, you know, yes, this is the, this was not the course that I necessarily wanted to take. And also I recognize how it's put, put me in position for certain things to happen. So I'm going to, you know, apply the pressure, but I'm also not going to guilt myself. I'm not going to shame myself for what has come to pass already. Yes. Thank you. That makes a whole lot of sense. I got to, I got to, I got to take my church's advice. <laughs> that part. You know, that yeah, thank you. we're taking a lot of stuff very serious and there's a lot to be serious about. You know, I oftentimes say that we wake up to be oppressed. We wake up to be attacked. We wake up to be invalidated. You know, uh, Tamika mentioned the Kyle Rittenhouse um, trial happening right now. That's abrasive. You know what I mean? To me, that's injurious. When I watch that, it, it, it injures my spirit, it, it impacts me, right? So we're collecting all of that every single day, just by way of our awareness. We scroll on social media and, you know, there's someone living lavish that makes us feel insecure. There's someone getting murdered that makes us feel at risk. There's someone talking about COVID that makes us feel completely out of control and susceptible to something that, you know, we, we can't even tell which direction it's coming from. So, at the end of, at the basis of anything just has to be wellness. We have to create a regimen to where we're tending to our mind space on a regular basis. Listen, mm -hmm. I know I know you gotta go. Oh, I'm sorry, my son. I, I want to ask one more thing before. So, you know, I was just hearing in the news today, something that happened with Lala, where she has some heart complications. And um, some people were saying it's attributed to stress and things of that nature. 
Like what warning signs? Because I don't know. I'm so used to just being on a hundred. I'm so used to moving, and I don't, I don't take the time to 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 even acknowledge when I'm when I'm burnt out. I don't even know how to feel. I know I'd be tired, so I'm like, let me just get some rest. After I rest, I'm back at it. So, like, are there warning signs and things that we should just look for and notice that it tells us like you're burning yourself out? You might need to just relax and get into a different space. Yeah. I'm so glad that you asked that question and let's send some healing and loving energy towards Lala um, for her recovery. Uh, But stress is and has always been the number one killer. You know, we hear that and I feel like we're a little dismissive to that fact. But there's so much that we can be doing to counter the effects of stress. As far as, you know, one of the things that you said that was really vital to your answer actually was that you don't take the time out, you know, and that's why I'm often, I I promote meditation and mindfulness so much because it's really the stillness that we need so that our psyche can catch up to everything that we've been enduring all along. You know, you just have to let yourself be still. All of the warning signs are there for you. You know, all of the signals, your body is so communicative all of the time. It's telling you what's going Going on those little strains and pains in the back of our neck, you know, the headache that you've had for two days, you know, your stomach is upset, your 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 limbs are aching, uh, your your fingers, your toes, everything is is in pain. That is the warning sign to let you know that your body is in distress, and to understand that you at least need to stand still long enough to make the connections and understand what's going on. Um, I will say this: that sleep is a non-negotiable. Something that is well known in my field is that sleep alone can, you know, induce you into psychosis. It can induce you into depression. It can induce you into anxiety. The first thing that we do when someone comes into the hospital is give them a sleep aid. And the next day when they wake up, almost about 25, 30% of their symptoms have decreased. So um, being able to have a good sleep regimen, being able to have a balanced diet, diet, being able to have an exercise regimen, you know, just getting those endorphins in can really impact how stress is impacting you. So mm-hmm. just with those fundamentals first. I know you you have to go and in, 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 um, sleep is a non-negotiable, which is something that I don't get enough of. So I know, you know, um, and the other day, uh, Latoya says to, to, to me, you text late and early. I just can't figure out like, at what point does the sleep happen? You know, but I do sleep sometimes, but anyway, um, the, my last thing for you is do therapists have it all together? Like if you're a therapist, you're a psychotherapist, you're a psychologist, do y'all have it all? All allergies. All allergies. Absolutely not. Therapists are people too. And that's another thing that, you know, was was what I wanted to denote when I created the modern therapist persona. I wanted people to see me being a regular smegular person that has issues. I say this field to my clients um, when I have a <laughs> A consultation. I said, she got issues too. She is not here to be the example of how to be perfect. She is here to be the example of someone who wakes up every day for challenges and uses the same skills and tools that she 
you know, imparts to you to make sure that she can have a balance of life and she can wake up for the next day thereafter. You know, when I have a client come in, I say, I'm not the expert in the room. You're the expert on you. You bring what you have. I know human behavior. I know life. I know, you know, being a human and trying to figure out your psyche. And we're going to put that together and we're going to figure it out together. So absolutely not. <laughs> well. Chain. <laughs> Good, because I, I, I ain't crazy. You know, at least you, we all got a little stuff. Nah, 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 we all got some stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much, Precious. I appreciate you so much. And, um, you know, the knowledge that you're imparting on us that we want to share with the broader audience is something that should just be uplifted every second of the day. Like every space you turn to, there should be places to get little nuggets about how to manage just our lives, because there's so much that's controllable and so much that is not, um, that's happening to us every minute of the day. And if you're a parent, if you work in the world, especially in my, you know, I, this is my thing, I, you didn't say this, I am saying it. If you work around white people every day, you stressed out if you're a person of color, absolutely. Because it's a very difficult place to try to manage all the microaggressions, all the misunderstandings, you know, trying not to speak too loud, be too threatening, um, and, you know, and also dealing with the injustice of just trying to climb ladders and seeing people that are not even as good as you be able to rise above you. That's a lot. And, you know, we, we do find ourselves working, working ourselves to death, literally working ourselves to death, trying to be as good, trying to be as noticed, trying to be as fly, you know, trying to just as, as fly because you got to be ten times flyer in order to compete with that. That's the reality. That's the stronger and and whatever I was going to say and longer, but I think that's for a different show. So <laughs> for today, thank you so much, precious. Lord, precious. Why today? Today, just because I said you always get it right. That's it. It messed you all up. Uh, Vorklia. Vorklia. I got it. Vorklia. I got it. I love you so much. Thank you for love, love you. Thank you so much for having me. Your I'm skin here. is looking beautiful. Thank you. Thank Look you. Look at that melanin popping. Go ahead. <laughs> I appreciate you guys so much. Have appreciate a good day. Have love. a great day. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. 
Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. That's how we own it! That's how we own it! Precious is just so dope, man. She, she has a energy, and you and you can realize certain people just have callings on their life, right? Like when when I used to when you know when I work with Precious and she calls and we got to communicate, she's just so easy to talk to, right? She just seems like she's just so serene. She has this energy that makes you just feel comfortable. So when she, all of these things that she do, these allergies and allergies, they really fit her, man. So it's it's dope just hearing that and her being able to actually confirm some of the things that we know about our own selves. You know, I think when it comes to mental health and meditation and just having someone who psychoanalyzes you, I think what they actually do is make you realize things that you already know. I mm-hmm. think that's what the good ones do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100% about that. I think sometimes when we hear things about ourselves, it hurts because you think that, you know, wow, I didn't know that I was doing this or I was presenting myself in a certain way to people. But having the safe space of a therapist to try to help work through what it means and, and you know, and, and being in a space where it's not contentious, but rather it's supportive and reassuring is important. And that's what Precious is. She's the type of person that could take, well, you know, I'm, I, and, and in fact, my relationship with Precious becomes as strong as it ever has been in 2019 when I became addicted to pain pills. That's when she and I got to be really close because I saw the addiction as my weakness, as the worst place that I've ever been in my life. And not, not to say it's not, you know, it doesn't mean that it's not, but I saw it as being not the end of me, but I saw it as being like a real telltale sign that I wasn't the person I believed. And she took it and reaffirmed me and really walked me through all the steps that led to that moment that were beyond the crisis that I, the public crisis that I was going through. But even things from when I was younger, from moments in my life when I felt not included, not good enough, when I felt like I wasn't doing whatever my family needed me to do or the man that I was with or whatever. And she was able to show me that the breakdown I was having was a culmination of many things. And the public 
terror, if you will, the public moment that I had was only like the, what do you call it? The, 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 the top of the rock. It was the top of the rock, you know? And I didn't think about that. So I was, oh my God, how could people do this to me? It broke me down. And then she was like, yeah, but what about this and that and the third? And I was like, wow, I have a lot of processing to do. So I think, you know, she has a skill set. And, and by the way, even the psychiatrist that I work with now, which is different from what um, Precious does, um, this psychiatrist that, I'm, that I work with every day, or not every day, <laughs> I need him every day, but the psychiatrist that I work with, you know, he's amazing. And recently I was going through something and I called him and was like, yo, dude, like for real, like just this and that. And he, and he was there for me. But it's not the same thing like having a Black woman understand other Black women. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Even when I'm speaking to him, he is so firmly clear about what I need to do. So firmly clear. Like every other Black man that I'm close to, firmly clear. But when speaking to Precious, she's, as a Black woman, is, is willing to get in my mess and 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 whittle around in all of my oh I don't know I don't know so I think you might need two therapists in your life <laughs> I gotta get me one because you know I, I I've been trying to psychoanalyze myself and be my own therapist for years man so some I need somebody else to pour into so I gotta start searching into that professional skills so now um the other thing that drives us crazy is what we're going to, right? The other thing is our money, you know, spending it right, spending it wrong, uh, you know, uh, holding it forever, thinking it's going to somehow or another just double itself, triple itself. You know, I know fam- I have family members, I have an uncle, his money is buried in the yard somewhere. And there are people, by the way, who's sitting around knowing it's got to be somewhere around. So they'll wait, you know, they don't want him to die. But if he does, they're going to tear up everything looking for it because they know he's been sitting on his money. That's how he, that's just how he is. You know, so people, some people, everybody has a different relationship with money and it can be very stressful. It can be either not enough, having too much and not knowing what to do with it, all of those things can be very, very stressful. And so today we're going to be talking to another friend to street politicians, um, Shakira Green, who is, she calls herself a financial activist. I mm. like that, a I financial like that. activist. And I never heard that one. That's good. And she's coming right up to talk to us about our money. Because well, money matters. Oh, Shakira, tell me some things about this chicken. That's how we own it. That's how we own it. So as we mentioned, another one of our friends joining the show today, Ms. Shakira Green, uh, who is a financial expert for 18 years, over 18 years, she's been in banking and finance, but she's on this show today as the finance uh, activist, the financial activist um, we need. So Shakira, thanks for coming on. You know, you, 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 my pretty friend. <laughs> thank you thank you Tamika thank you my son thank you so much for having me on today a conversation as much needed to have especially in our community that's right so how do, how do we get money we just want to 
Let's just get right to it. So how are we going to get rich? What we need to do right now to get rich? What we need to do, well, the first thing we need to do is begin to shift our mindset. You know, it's how you think about money. How do you view money? Um, money is, for me, an avenue for um, freedom, right? Um, to, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tool that we can use to um, create the business that we're passionate about, um, travel the world, you know, get experiences, um, send our children to college, whatever it is that you're passionate about. For me, money is a tool and a vehicle to help you get there, um, to give back to our community, to help other people who are less fortunate. And so I think the first thing we need to do, whether you have money or you're trying to acquire it, is begin to shift your mindset and evaluate what's your relationship with money. You know, for years, my relationship with money was funny. <laughs> and so I had to be honest about myself. Um, you know, um, how was I showing up in that relationship? Um, and it started with me taking a, a look at how was, I, how was I raised and what were some of the things that were installed in me? Um, my grandmother, um, for instance, I'll take her. You know, she told my mother and my, my aunt to never move out of the projects. Because in her mindset, that meant that they would always have a roof over their head if they could live in subsidized living. Mm -hmm. You know, um, she couldn't fathom her granddaughter probably owning multiple properties. You know, I remember um, she used to say to us when we was little, when you walk out this house, you represent us. And so that means you always look your best. And so in translation, every time I went out and had an interview or a new job or somewhere to go I was running out and I was buying a new outfit whether I could afford it or not it didn't matter as long as you look good because that was what my grandmother taught us right and so I began to just kind of shifting the mindset and think about how am I using my money and my lifestyle if you if this pandemic didn't teach us anything it taught us how much we were spending frivolously mm. between brunches and just shopping and just being just being outside period is going to cost you right so um, I always tell people it starts with you shifting your mindset and reevaluating your relationship with your money. Mm. So we're so the reason why I thought the financial activist component was so important, and, and particularly in the context of this show, is that we were just talking about working ourselves to death um, with our friend Precious, who is a psychotherapist, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I also think we can worry about money as well in a way that's unhealthy either 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 worrying about not enough or having much and either not knowing what to do with it or worrying about losing it i find right. myself hoarding my money and mm -hmm. i i've learned that that is not the right thing to do because the irs just loves it it's like the best thing in the world people who don't know that when you get money you should spend some of it but you got to spend it the right way and because oh, yes. I don't necessarily always know, it's so many people in my ear telling me how to spend my money. I've got marijuana investors asking me to put money there. I've got uh, people saying, let's flip these houses. I've got mm -hmm. you know, people saying, do this business, that thing. My son has ideas everywhere I turn. And I also have ideas. So I mm -hmm. find myself just being like, to hell with it. I'm just going to hold my money and, and, you know, and hopefully God will come and tell me in my ear in the middle of the night what I should do. Which is not healthy. And you're, you hit it right on the nail. Money is the number one stressor um, that people have. It's also the number one reason why folks get divorced. 
um, you know, 46% of Americans say that they don't have $400 saved for an emergency. Prior to the um, pandemic happening, 80% of Americans was living paycheck to paycheck. God knows, I'm sure that number has uh, skyrocketed since then. Um, but all of these statistics go back and show you why it's important. And the reason why I call myself a financial activist is because I'm on this journey to continuously educate people about their finances, particularly in communities where you and I come from, where this information is not taught to us. It's not installed in us. You know, my mom was a single parent, you know, raising two children um, and, and an urban community. And so I didn't go to college. I didn't go to school with the tools and resources to understand credit, to understand um, investing. And as I got into the banking industry, this is where I began to learn and became self-aware that, wow, this is, this is not taught to my people. You know, when I went to school, there was someone on college campus giving out applications for a credit card. And that's how I got my first credit card, which was Discover. And boy, did I discover. <laughs> I discovered everything I shouldn't have done. I went straight to the Gucci store. I don't think I had enough for the bag. But those are some experiences that I know many people in our audience could relate to of just not being taught the knowledge from home. And this is why I think it's important that now I love it that everyone wants to have the conversation. So to you, all of those things that you mentioned are great things to invest in. You just have to figure out what works best for you and what's in your risk tolerance. Mm, what's in your risk tolerance? I, I can't lose nothing. So, you know, <laughs> but I need a short you know. thing. I need me a short thing because I can't risk nothing at all. But, but you yeah, know what the old saying: "Scared money don't make no money." So you do have to be willing to do some type of investing. So let's talk about it, right? Like for me, the one thing that I always promote is um, home ownership. I think that um, for the average person in America, home ownership is the easiest way to start building wealth and to build a legacy. Um, I'm an, I'm an investor, real estate investor. And I mean, there's multiple ways that you could do it. Um, I'm super conservative like you, my son. So I get it. I don't want to lose any money. I need to sleep good at night with some of my investments. Um, but home ownership is a way that you can get in. Your home is going to appreciate. It's going to build value, cash value that you can pull out and you can, you know, purchase other properties or start that business that you want. Um, so I always say, go sit down with a financial advisor talk about home ownership. How could you get into it? So many different programs that will allow you to get in there to put three and a half percent down, five percent down. There's so many different vehicles out there. You just got to do the homework and the research. Got to do the homework and the research, my son. That's what we've been saying. <laughs> I mean, we've been working. We've been, you know, we've been, as an organization, we've been looking into a lot of different, you know, ventures that we want to tackle into. I've been looking, we've all been coming back to the table where, hey, we should probably do this, we probably do this. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a process, but I think we're moving in the right direction, you know, and some things that we want to get into, so. We're, we're 40 plus, so we, we, we out the game, it's too old, like, should we have been doing it so much earlier that now we're so far behind, we can't catch up? Like, these are things that people really do feel. Absolutely. It's never too late to get in the game. Of course, if you can get in there earlier, please, there's plenty of times I'm like, I wish that I started investing when I was 20. 
in my 20s, but I wasn't. I didn't have the knowledge. So when you know better, you do better. But to that person that feels discouraged, that feels like I'm, I'm too old or, you know, I, I can't get in or I don't make enough money, it's never too late to get into the game and start investing. Another thing I think we need to think about is how, how do we leverage our credit? Our credit goals and our savings goals need to be aligned. Let me give you a perfect example. And these are basic tips that the average person can apply. I pay everything every month on my credit card. At the end of the month, I pay the credit card off before the 28 day. The reason why I do that is I accumulate points. And then the points allow me to offset my gas expense. I'll go get gift cards. I'll redeem my points for gift cards. And then I'll, that'll offset my gas expense. Or if I'm traveling, that's how I'll comp an airline ticket or a hotel room. Um, when I pay my Verizon bill with my credit card, um, it allows me to not have cell phone insurance, which I'm saving $45 a month by avoiding paying Verizon $15 per line. I have a line for me and both of my daughters. But if you pay with your credit card, your credit card gives you cell phone insurance and you're allowed to put two claims a month. These are little tips that people don't know and don't leverage. Also, there's a lot of folks that have children that are going to college, right? If you have a child and you really aren't prepared to pay for college, if you have good credit, you can put them on one of your credit cards as an authorized signer and have that child at age 16 to 18 start to build up some credit. So when they go to college and they fill out applications, they now can qualify for the best student loans or get the best interest rates. So again, small so little tips. Credit, you use your credit card. It's like everything I learned is up in the air whenever I talk to financial experts. Because, and I'm doing it now. Now mm -hmm. I am using my, 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 um, my finance manager is so desperate for me to use the credit card for everything. Yet my relationship with my credit card is so scary because I have I was proud of the fact that if I don't have the cash, I'm not going to buy it. Like that was my mindset. And y'all are saying something completely different, completely different, completely different. And, and I paid the whole card off before the. So, yeah, so full disclaimer, because this isn't for everybody. You have to be organized and you have to be disciplined. You want to pay that bill off within the 28 days so that you do not assess any interest, you know. So I'm paying the whole thing off, but I could afford that. And I'm also structured and organized with a financial calendar, you know, which every week I'm analyzing my finances and I'm going online, checking my online banking. Right. And I could be anywhere whether I'm traveling. I get alerts on my phone. So it's a very or you have to be disciplined and organized and structured. But I pay the whole bill off. I don't accrue any interest, but I get the points and the points allow me. Like I said, if you if you live paycheck to paycheck, that person's mindset is how can I save my bills are my bills and what I make is what I make. So you have to find creative other ways to save money. So now you can redeem those points. How much do you spend on gas? At least $150 a month, the average person. So now those gift cards pay your gas. Now you didn't you saved yourself $150, put that away every month and start saving. Hmm. So it, again, white, thinking, people know, white people know about this stuff, right? Of course. I met a lady on a plane. We were I'm on my way to Costa Rica. And they were celebrating their 20th year anniversary. It was she, her husband, her mother-in-law, and three children. 
And she told me she paid $500 for that trip. I said, well, how did you do that? By utilizing her points. She was able to comp all the airline tickets and get a major discount on the hotel that she was staying in. One more thing, one more thing. <laughs> on you, wow. this is my interview because you, my friend, and well, I'm just I'm taking notes, man. I have 1.5 million miles. Okay, one airline. Mm-hmm. That I mm-hmm. not you can't pay me to use my miles. You can't like you. You could be like, I'm gonna give you cash if you would use those miles. I will not use them. Everybody tells me I'm crazy. I have another colleague that I work with that has 2.3 million miles and he feels the same way, scared to lose to, to use the miles. But other people just be using their miles, just flipping them. And I what what are, what are we you afraid of? Here? What are you I'm, afraid of? What are you afraid of? Almost a million miles that he doesn't need. <laughs> what are you I don't know nothing about the miles though. So I don't really I me and plane, man. That's all I do. <laughs> you listen if you don't want to use them give them to me <laughs> transfer them over but um it's also too a lot of people don't know you can use your points to donate to organizations so you know i sit on the board of the urban league of essex county and you know you have an amazing you guys have an amazing nonprofit organization until freedom folks can also redeem their points and donate to your organization so i know giving tuesday is coming up that's a great way to to plug in and, and to allow people to give back to an organization that is doing the work and that's at the front of the four lines. So think about that as well. So use the miles. Use, use the, miles. the miles. Use the miles. Very important. All of them or get it down to 200,000? Like what would you, what would be your comfortable space? I mean, it depends. It depends. How often do you, do you, do you travel? You always on a plane. So I don't understand. <laughs> You're always traveling, especially for work. So use your points, but we could set up some time offline if you want. And I, 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 I'll help. You and now she want to help me. Use my- <laughs> Listen, I'll man. help you transfer them to me. <laughs> no. We appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You brought, I got to start thinking about my relationship with money, you know, relationship with money, that's the thing. That yeah, start in, in your relationship with your bank is important. His relationship with money is don't ask him for none. <laughs> don't ask him how much he has and he ain't spending it unless he has to. And anybody that asks him for anything got to work for it because they just not going to get his money for free. That's his, that's literally it. <laughs> that's it's, it. That's it. <laughs> don't ask for none. I come from nothing. So when you come from zero, you know how it is to to have zero. You know, you just want to make sure that you're comfortable. You want to make sure the things that you need to do, that you're able to do. I don't like to just waste money because I don't have, you know what I realized for me? I don't, I don't have value for money. Like money is something that I use as a resource. It ain't mm-hmm. something that I idolize that I chase. You understand what I'm saying? I don't chase, like there's a lot of people do things just for money. Like I know a lot of people that make a lot and they do it because it drives, that's what drives them. Money is not my driving force. You know, my driving force is about, you know, the work that we do, just seeing things progress, trying to just make things better. So when I when I accumulate money, I understand that the work and the things that I do is not the things that just automatically bring you a lot of money. So I got to make sure that money I got does the things that it needs to do. So right. you know, that's why I was thinking my relationship with money is like, I don't really, 
we don't we cool we date from time to time we ain't, i ain't married to money you know what i'm saying i ain't even thinking about getting married but i understand that they cool and i need her you know i realize that we need to have some level of relationship but i have never been married to money yeah and a lot of people have that mindset especially i could totally relate to not coming from it and struggling and so when you do get it you want to build it protect it and preserve it but you must think and then i'm going to tell you why i posted something on my page today so for you guys to please go follow me i am underscore shakira green on instagram but the inflation so i went to the grocery store sunday and tur a turkey was $60. I was blown away. I said, I don't care how much money I have. I'm not paying $60 for no turkey. I might not be giving But inflation. This might not work. Inflation. Turkeys are $60. $60. Yes. Yeah. 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 So inflation is through the roof. The cost of living is through the roof. I mean, eggs have tripled in price. A milk, these are things that we need, you know, to survive. So you have to be thinking about how your money's doing, my son, because your money needs to work for you so that you can continue to just survive, to be honest with you. It's no longer an option to have multiple streams of income. I think everyone needs to have the mindset of how am I generating different multiple streams of income just to live comfortably. So something to think about. That I cannot get the newest when 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 Hermes restocks Birkin for Christmas. You're trying to tell me <laughs> not, that me. I because I, I I'm like I'm in line, okay? I'm in line, and you saying take it and do something different. Invest in it. You know what? I, I'm you know Tamika. I, I'm that girl too. I love a nice Chanel bag. We know, but buy a house first. I buy a property. And then I get a Chanel and my tenants pay for my Chanel bag. Mm -hmm. It's not money that I'm paying for out of my income, right? It's, it's being generated from multiple properties. And so that's my ask for everybody just to go out and just think about other ways that you can invest. We, we all like nice things. I'm not saying that, um, but you need to make smart decisions and um, I'm not out here spending $5,000 on a bag. My tenants are paying that. I have eight different properties that bring in income for me. Okay, this yes. is my last question. I'm gonna let you go. Mm -hmm. So I have tenants. I have a tenant. Okay. And it's always some drama, right? <laughs> some of it is my fault, right? Some of it is my fault. Some of it is um, just old houses you know it's old it's broke down that's just the way it is right what about that fear of people being like i want to get i want to own but then mm -hmm. i gotta fix it i gotta fix it i gotta stay on top of it it's another thing to manage in your well, life well, the thing is when, once you start to understand how it works <laughs> And then you start seeing the risk versus the reward and you see how much it actually costs to fix these things versus how much you actually make. And then you get you have certain um, people that you hire that that under that, you know, are going to be able to do those things at a certain time. So it, it makes it's going to make sense. You know, the money that you make is going to supersede the amount of work that you pay somebody else to do anyway. So then. You know, once you know that you can just pick up a phone, okay, this is wrong. Okay, let me call such and such. We have this contractor that's going to do this. We got this contractor to do this. And I think it starts to be, become like a well-oiled machine. 
Exactly. And then Tamika, there's situations where, you know, like my, I, I don't have the time. I don't manage these properties. I have a property management company that manage them. In fact, most of them are out of state. There's only one that I personally am hands-on with, which is the one in New Jersey. So that property management company takes care of everything. I have peace of mind. If something goes wrong, they call a vendor, they take care of it, comes out of my cash flow but it's not something that I have to deal with. And, and it's it's few and far in between. So um, to my son's point, I think he hit it spot on. It, it's gonna, the cash flow that you're getting on a monthly basis will oversee if something pops up here and there. Um, but of course we gotta do our homework and you want to, you don't want to be a bad scum landlord. No, not, <laughs> no slumlords here, no slumlords. No slumlords, all right, all right, all right. Thank you, Shakira. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you very much. We'll be in contact. Oh, we wait, okay. wait, 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 wait. I know we have to go and I'm, I have the nerve to be making this interview longer. I'm knowing that I have to go. It's the holidays. We didn't talk about the holidays are coming. It's Black Friday. They already, listen, we went from Halloween to Christmas and it looks like Thanksgiving is going to be a stop in the middle, but it's hybrid Christmas. There are Black Friday sales already, and we're not even at the week of Thanksgiving. We're just a week away. What mm -hmm, do you mm -hmm. tell people about this? You know, people have this real, this real, this real thing happening. For two years, been in the house, we haven't been anywhere. Mm -hmm. I really wasn't, you know, going out, doing the things that things weren't in stock. You couldn't get things. Now I want to enjoy myself. I want things that make me feel special, happy or whatever. What's your, this is how we can close this. What's your message about this holiday season and how we should be spending money? So um, listen, people are going to buy, right? Like you said, we have children. We don't want to take away from the kids experience or traditions and different cultures do different things. If you're going to spend get the best deal, spend responsibly, use those points that we talked about today and try not to put it on credit. If you could afford it, pay it cash or put it on your card. And what I mean by pay it cash is pay it back off on your card right away. But don't accumulate interest. Don't accumulate more debt because then January is going to come around and then here you are writing your financial goals again. And you're going to be back talking about this debt that you've accumulated and that you have to pay off. I also like to say, pay yourself. When you pay yourself automatically, then you have a, a certain amount of money set aside for holidays or travels in the summertime. So get in the habit of start figuring out what could you afford and set up some type of auto transfer into a separate saving account. And that'll help you during the holiday seasons where you'll have extra cash put aside and don't have to have that extra stress or burden or accumulate un unnecessary debt. Put money aside all year for your, your moments, your holiday, your summer, your splurges, you got to take that little whatever, $150, $200 and, and tuck it away. So you're not like, oh, my God, we can't pay the rent because we got to buy Christmas presents. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Thanks, so. Shakira. That's good stuff, isn't it? Smart. Yes. Smart. You're smart. <laughs> she is smart. She smart. is smart. <laughs> <laughs> you got it going on. Yes. Uh, thank you. This Shakira. is why we have to share with our community because we want everybody to have it going on. Well, thank, thank you, you. Sharing with the Street Politicians community, and we will certainly have you back. Shakira, Green, thank you. Financial. All right. Take care. Happy holidays, everyone. Bye. 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 That's how we own it. That's how we own it. 
Shakira, she she's so fly everything, really. I mean, you know, I know her, um, have, have spent time with her on trips and different places. And we didn't get to talk about her story, but she often tells it. And because she's not here, I won't um, get too deep into it. But she's got a story, a real story that will really just blow your mind. And she's so inspiring. So I know when she says that she didn't come from much, she really, really didn't. And yet she's in the position she's in. Now she's saying eight properties. Anybody can do it. Really, anybody can do it. But it's, but it's a mind state. And, and, and not everybody has the mindset. So anybody can do it, but not everybody has the mindset to get it done. And, yeah, I, and I, think I, think that's, I think it's a discipline and, and, and really just setting your mind and say, this is what I'm going to do. It's like anything else. When we make up our minds, it's okay. This I'm really focused on this. And we do it and we we buckle down. And then once you start to see it working, it becomes natural, right? Once you start to see it, you do it and you start to say, oh, I'm, I just made 10,000. Now it becomes fun. It becomes the normal thing. It's, it's routine. It's like you, they say you got to do something for two weeks straight to become make it become a habit. So right. I think what you got to do is really sit down and then really say, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm focusing this two weeks straight to doing this and accomplishing it. And we'll start seeing, you know, reaping the benefits of, it, you know, and start making our money, make money for, for us. You know, that's the key. Make your money, make money. Make your money, make money. That's the thing. It's like the, you know, I'm not, I can't say that I'm risk adverse hundred percent, you know, because I'm not, but certainly I find myself being paralyzed because of having too many options. And I think that's also the thing is she, she actually made a very good point, which is to decide what is your risk level? Like how much can you lose? Can you lose 50,000? Can you lose a hundred thousand? Cause I don't want to lose anything, but I get the point about, you know, being able to do a risk assessment, but then also um, really deciding what works for you. Do you want to be the person that gets a phone call that something is wrong in the house? Do you want to be the person that doesn't know exactly where the marijuana industry is going to go? Like there's so many ways that it can go, but yet you believe that, hey, this might work for me. So this is something I want to be in. Do you want to be the crypto? I see the NFTs, the all of these things, like, are you prepared to learn the industry and park your money and maybe lose? I feel well, like- that, I gotta interrupt you. That's my, I don't get it. I don't get it. why we as people have no problem <laughs> putting our money into something that ain't gonna make no money. We'll spend fifteen thousand. We'll spend two, three thousand on some jeans, a new jacket. We'll spend five thousand on a purse, all types of things, and have no problem just losing that money. But when we talk about investing some money that could quadruple, that could triple, we we have to think about it. We don't have to think about putting our money into. Our ten thousand on the, the the bag we want. We don't have to think about putting fifty thousand on the car we want. We don't have to think about putting twenty thousand on the chain we want. But talk about investing that money into something that could possibly 
turn into five and six times what it was, we got to sit there and be like, damn, I'm scared to lose my money. But you lose it when you buy shit that ain't going to come back anyway. But I have an answer for that. I don't know if that's true. Answer. I don't know if that's true. Number one, I don't know who's buying $2,000 jeans, but I know I have none of them. And hopefully you don't have Come on, this culture. They talk okay. about how the jeans cost two thousand. Yeah, because yeah, those are Marys. Like this, is expensive stuff. So I guess you're right. I think that the thing is that you have a product in your hand, right? So people, you know, say what you want. Like, oh, Tanika Mallory, you know, she has expensive bags. Yeah, I do. And I work freaking hard to be able to have whatever it is that I want. And so for me, well, first of all. My Birkins and everything that I had that's in the Hermes family, the resale value is crazy. I'm not reselling it. Of course, I'm not. I'm keeping them for the rest of my life. But not everything depreciates. So don't, that's not, it's not true that everything depreciates. I bought a bag at I'm one I'm tell you, the resale value is more than what you pay? Whoa. I bought a bag that was X amount of dollars. Not cheap not cheap. I went back and looked at like what people are selling them for. Cause you know, there's sites out there where you can post your stuff and people do that with watches. People hold on to things. And when they in trouble, they might go sell their stuff. Guess what? Four times the amount, four times the amount. Now that's today. There may come a time when there's racism in the store or there is, you know, some other issue, animal, um, you know, cruelty, or you find out where the, the stuff is being made in a factory. There are different things politically and morally that can get in a brand's way. And at that point, it hurts the brand's image and therefore people don't want it and they've moved on to something else, right? Uh, what's that liquor that we were talking about that the other day? Crystal, they still can't get people to really put it back in the rotation of the clubs and what have you. And we see Ace of Spades is a thing, right? Jay said to hell with Crystal, and then here we are. So that can happen to the brand. And so your quote unquote investment might not be as um, in, as a, 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 a valuable as it could have been at one time. But if I sold my Birkins right now, I could make X amount of dollars. That is way more. So I'm only bringing that point up because that's one well, aspect. For the most part. Yeah, no, I'm just bringing that up because that's one aspect. That's one aspect. Doesn't mean still that we should do more shopping in stores than we do investing. And I totally agree with you. So I just want to make sure I say that because I don't want anybody to get the impression that I'm talking about bags being more important than investments because I ain't even, that's not even a question. And I'm certainly in my life, I have enough stuff. I've accumulated enough that I don't need another thing. So we're not talking about that. But what I will say is that people want something in their hand for their money. So when they go to the store and their shirt is $100, $200, $2,000, they going home with that shirt. The shirt might not be good in two months, three months or whatever, all of those things, I get it. But they have the shirt in their hand at the time for the money they spent. With certain investments, you said your point is, it could do this, that, and the third. It could. And I think for some people, it's the thought that I might, I could take this $2,000 and go on a vacation and have my memories and my experience. 
Or I could go online and transfer $2,000 to Robinhood and Stash and all of these websites. And then some shit that happens in the atmosphere that I don't even know about. Other people are manipulating numbers and this and that out in the world. And the next thing you know, the $2,000 that I had turns into zero dollars. And but it's- at the end of the day, that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I hear what you're saying. But for, for the most part, most products depreciate. Of you know course they do. But I'm just saying, but, I still have the thing. Well, even if you have it, you know, you have for you probably have, or and, and a lot of people probably have things that they've spent ten and fifteen thousand dollars on that they don't wear at all. Probably, it's probably completely out of style. You like, I would never wear it again. It but it's never out of style. Well, it's just out of rotation. Okay, it's so out of rotation. It's probably you probably don't even like it no more. <laughs> That's true. You know, it's it's things like that. But we have, I'm just saying that we have this block when it comes yeah. to investing. And it's a mind state that you know, I don't want to put my money in because you know, what if I lose my money? What if you know I, I'm not sure about this? And we don't we don't really have the same fear of just spending our money on shit that no, just, we it's objects and, 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 you know, and items. I know. I, and I, I agree with you a thousand percent that we spend frivolous money on frivolous things that can't do anything for us in terms of the larger goals that we have in life. And I have learned my lesson about that. I agree with Shakira um, and what she said that, you know, our relationship with money can be based upon what we didn't learn, what we didn't know. And it's, and, 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 and it's not personal. My parents didn't know, right? They didn't know. They, they had a little checkbook and they put their information, you know, they put their information in there and lined up how much they spent. But it doesn't mean that they realize rather than getting a co-op, which I really don't necessarily own, I should go ahead and buy this house. Right. My mom was like, I want to buy this house. I want to buy this house. But my father was like, we don't need to do that because he's the type of person that his relationship with money is the same. He want to make sure any emergency he good. You know, my father is the man. He going to be good. He going to say if you call him right now and say, daddy, I'm in trouble. He might not have five hundred thousand to get you out with shit. He might. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But 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 that might not. I'm not talking about at that level, but certainly he can pretty much get his family members out of any situation that they're in his children, his grandchildren, because he always keep keeps his money situated to be able to do that. There are other people that toss it all to the wall and then they and then they end up having even more. You know what I'm saying? But some people lose. So it is a very touch and go situation. And the point that she made is so important about that risk, being able to decide what is my risk level? How much can I lose? And I think it's in comparison, Mice, to, or it, it goes along with what Precious is talking about. The trauma that we have sets the tone for, for so many things, the way in which we move and operate every single day. And a part of why we we why I am unwilling to just invest in certain ideas and certain things that I don't know or understand enough about is because I do want to control the things around me and have safety. She says safety and security. And that's what it, it makes me feel unsafe to just put my money in the world and hope it works out. 
Well, we got, I think we just, we have to start enhancing and building our mentality, especially when it comes to money. Just, I noticed in the black community, a lot of us do get it, but there's a lot of us that just are still more consumer based than, you know, than, than investment based. And, you know, and I think that mindset, that's what we have to flip and get more in investment and saying, like she said, I'm not going to buy this Birkin bag. I'm going to let this real estate that I brought and let these, you know, the rent that they pay me for it, buy the bags. And, and when we start thinking like that, we start thinking three steps ahead. I think it's going, you know, it's going to pan out a lot better for us. That's. And with that said, another dope episode. Shout out to both our guests who had a lot, a lot to offer us. I, I need me somebody to get in my brain and I definitely need me a couple, few more dollars, man. So <laughs> Thanks, Precious and Shakira, for coming on our show. We're not going to always be right. Tamika's not going to always be wrong. But we will both always, and I mean always, be authentic. Thank you for tuning in to the number one show in the world, Street Politician. Number one in our hearts. But take us to number one on the charts, baby. Download, subscribe, subscribe, click, click, click and share with your friends. Peace. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.